they they don't know what dissociation is. I mean, if 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 you're in bed catatonic, you're dissociated. But not if you're a functional human being and you believe call it so a terrible term. Language doesn't do it justice. Becoming more aware. You're not dissociated. You just be you sense things a little differently. You're more in, interconnected with reality. That comes as a symptom of being more aware, which comes as a symptom of having a peak experience hmm. by meditating more, doing whatever it is that connects you with something within. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. There is no denying it. Synchronicity experiences, sudden spiritual awakenings, and even our strange interaction with time has been in constant uptick recently. Though some say their interaction with the invisible mystical realms has been a part of their lives for years, others are now admitting it's off the charts lately. Could this strange confluence of phenomena be due to the crisis we've all been navigating since 2020? Could the challenges be opening up the floodgates to who we really are and showing us what we are becoming? Consciousness researcher and neuroscientist Dr. Robert Davis says, without a doubt, the lockdown has put an energetic squeeze play on our individual and collective consciousness, bringing us to a place of profound realization that we are definitely not interacting with the normal that we used to know, but rather an unseen force that's revealing itself to us more and more each day. Bob, you and I have been talking for quite a few years now, but I would dare say that in the last 18 or so months, we've been talking a bit more. Well, we've been talking particularly in the last month or so about this absolute insane increase in synchronicity-esque is what I'm calling it, experiences that people are having. Journeyers, y'all know, I've heard from you, you've heard from me. There is an inexplicable and yet in your face barrage of what I call even synchronicity clusters in some cases happening for many people. I'm going to drill right down. Let's get down to it because we're going to be talking about synchronicity. We're going to be talking about the illusion of time and the ET contact phenomenon. Are they linked? But I want to take it hit hit by hit or you know point by point, starting with synchronicity. Are more people, do you feel, having more profound and pronounced synchronicities lately your thoughts um without question and uh, alexis but first of all it's a, it's an absolute pleasure to be on, on your show uh, maybe for the third or fourth time uh it, it, you're my favorite you, you do so much justice uh, providing your insights to to your audience and i know your audience is is aware if they listen to you and your guests how can they not be so i know they're they're spiritual in general Mm-hmm. varying degrees of course but but this is a unique time and i don't want to certainly get into the geopolitical viral issues associated with this the complexity and magnitude of this this horror that we're living through and only you know after the dust settles and things are in control we'll shake our heads and and look back in awe what just happened to us the planet collectively Collective Consciousness, the Global Consciousness Project, where they saw something affects 
the random number generated is resulting from a collective consciousness, the focus of attention on one thing, like 9-11, tsunami. We see consciousness exists everywhere. Maybe we'll get into that. But why are people having more peak experiences now? Because of maybe the collective consciousness. We're all suffering. We're all perceiving threats on a daily basis. Who wants to take an elevator? Walk down the street. Normal routine is now looking over your shoulder. Is, is there a predator about an unseen force? Coincidentally, that's the title of my book, right? We're mm -hmm. dealing with an unseen force. Uh, we have this hyperactive agency detection system. It comes from uh, evolution. You know, people, you know, I should say people, but we were preyed upon, uh, if you believe that, uh, a materialistic line of thinking. Um, so we become hypervigilant when, when, when we perceive a possible threat. How everybody in this world is on heightened alert, hypervigilant, hypomanic. How about those who are normally that way? What do you think it's done to them? Peak experience, it comes about in many ways. Becoming more aware, developing a realization is more to this world, to life, to me. And maybe this greater isolation that we're all experiencing, staying at home, maybe meditating more, maybe doing more yoga, internalizing. I think we've all thought of this. Um, many go in that direction. Others will succumb. And, and moving in a more negative direction. But it's a time when many millions, I think, are taking maybe advantage of staying home, trying to better themselves. If their attention is less distracted from normal work routines in, the, in a normal environment, the home environment, they're isolated. Everybody has been for good reason. And that isolation, while anxiety and depression inducing as it is, of course, causes us to internalize. And I think in doing so, it's a, there's a benefit. The mind becomes quiet. You're more at one with something. You become, I think, to your credit, to people's credit, they take advantage of that isolation to reduce their fear. They, they, they look at it positively while others become more fearful. It's a matter of personality, isn't it? How one addresses mm -hmm. it. I think so. So, so I think people having a peak experience. They're becoming more aware, awake. What's the expression? You become more awake. That increases your awareness. And then you're more awake. If you believe you're awake, you're aware. And here's a def defined line between um, what the professional medical psychiatric society considers normal and dissociation or abnormal, for which there is nothing in the brain that shows any abnormality, by the way. What they, they don't know what dissociation is. I mean, if, if, if you're in bed catatonic, you're dissociated. But not if you're a functional human being and you believe, call it dissociated, a terrible term. Language doesn't do it justice. Becoming more aware. You're not dissociated. You just be, you sense things a little differently. You're more in, interconnected with reality. That comes as a symptom of being more aware, which comes as a symptom of having a peak experience. By meditating more, doing whatever it is that connects you with something within. And you have to find that out. I think, you know, some things work, some things won't. 
Um, some mantras even work for me. Some, I should say, uh, and some other kinds of auditory events work for me. You know, everybody's different, and it, that takes time. What does it for you that res causes you to resonate with the universe? And guess what? There is a consciousness field, a semantic information field externally that we interact with, but not consciously. We do it unconsciously. And that's when maybe the time illusion comes in. It's not as linear as we may think, you see. And that ties into synchronicity, even, right. peak, even peak experiences. Right. Well, and look, one other thing, your beautiful question, it turns me on because Unfortunately, the many millions who are dying, how many do you think are having a near-death experience because they're near death, and, right? And survive the number under normal situations, non-COVID situations, approximately 200 million people in the United States have a near-death experience. That's peak experience. Absolutely. You see, life, you see, you see a, a deceased relative, whatever it is, unconditional love, you get it, you let the corks out of the bottle, that's a peak experience, comes in many forms, through UAP and out-of-body experience, psychoactive, many different forms, meditation, emotional stress can even do it, severe emotional stress. Trauma. Trauma, Trauma. Like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, even positive, but mainly negative, uh, and, and COVID. Trauma. Okay. Not alone. So people are more people are having a near-death experience and and thus a peak experience and becoming more aware. Mm -hmm. That's a good symptom. Unfortunately, if there is any good to this horror, you can't write it any, any other way. Uh, it's beyond belief, unless a meteor hits the planet tomorrow, you know? Um, uh, people are becoming more aware as a result. The one positive is that an increase in awareness, consciousness, wakefulness, and synchronicities are symptomatic of all that. Absolutely. Becoming more aware, you're aware of synchronicities. Right. Let me read something from your book because you brought up a term. I believe it was uh, um, the biofield. Let me just read the quote, and this will tie in nicely. In the book, you say, quote, synchronicity is an aspect of consciousness which may not have its origin in the material world, but instead in the non-local energy field referred to as the biofield, semantic field theory, or SFT, and the collective unconsciousness. Like consciousness, this field may operate as a non-local interconnective force that unifies us in real time without regard to space time. Now, I immediately resonated with that. I hope y'all out there are resonating with this as well to the extent that we can understand. Here's what came to mind immediately as you were inferring this. I thought of David Bohm. I thought of the implicate and explicate order that he talks talk, spoke so yeah. uh, broadly yeah. about having to do with seminal events, including synchronistic events, such as uh, the connection, or I, I guess you could say that could it be that these peak experiences, let's just take synchronicity, are being born and are connected in the implicate part of reality and then sort of playing out as synchronicity when it comes into the expli explicate or externalized reality? Does that make sense? Can I answer that question by saying possible? Okay, next question. I'm only kidding. That, <laughs> that is that is a, a beautiful question. I'm not surprised. You know, you 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 do you do challenge your guests, and that's good. Um, much of the problem that, that what I just said and what you just said, there's there's truth there. We I resonate with that. You do because we said it. Some of your audience does too. 
the problem is we're using words in, uh, of our language that are not well-defined, mm -hmm. you know, external, implicate, explicit, yeah, all that consciousness, nobody knows what that is. Um, so it's all esoteric, nebulous, but it's real. The science of the subjective, what we regard as real is our reality. And if we do it on a collective basis, it becomes all the more real until the psychological medical community figure it out and, and adopt more Eastern ways of thinking about human behavior and what is normal and not normal belief systems and behavior. Um, when you become more aware, you do become more anxious because you feel different, uh, the night of the soul and all that stuff. But there is a biofield. You know, Nobel laureates like Wigner, uh, Heisenberg, they, they talked about it. Nobel laureates, the consciousness field, external field, semantic field, theory, you know, there's something out there in the ether. Even cosmologists will talk about torsion energy, something, okay? I don't know what word to call it, but something uh, possibly energy-related, possibly consciousness itself, which is maybe torsion energy, a biofield, biophotons, you know, light energy that was emitted from the Big Bang only 14 uh, you know, billion years ago is just now bouncing off physical objects, allowing our 3D brain to figure it out that, hey, it's light. Wow, that's reality? You call that reality? <laughs> you know, for the brain it is. The brain's good at that. It's a 3D system. It evolved from here, right? So it's going to figure that out. We're impeded by the brain. It doesn't detect uh, uh, the biofield possibly. But... But these biophotons are found to be emitted from DNA, um, from uh, Penrose and Hammerhoff talked about it, uh, quantum processes in, in the microtubules of the brain. And, and they regard it as a seat of consciousness, possibly. And it interacts externally, as, as you mentioned, that what David Baum talks about, the interconnectedness with, with the subjective and the physical universe. You see, everybody talks about it. Even shamans talk about it. Uh, yeah. Even in Indian, uh, you know, gurus, uh, tribal leaders. That's part of the religion and culture. Scientists are just coming around to it, but they use math and other, other means of theory, physics, Newtonian principles, which can't explain. It's not meant to. It, 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 it's consistent with the brain, and we, we love it. We need it. There's more. We need that, that paradigm shift that possibly talks about what you're referring to. Another energy force, call it consciousness. Call and if there is possibly that, where where scientists will tell you um, the past, present, and future all exist simultaneously. Mm -hmm. We could we're even... talking about the illusory nature of time. We're gonna get into that. Let's yeah. well, let's 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 toss that into this big nebulous but very real discussion. Let's start to fold that in, the illusory nature of time as it relates to synchronicity. I mean, look, let me just, let me make this point, then we can elaborate. We're talking about, as you said, something that science has struggled to find a language for or a justification of what our wisdom traditions and indigenous cultures have been talking about in their own way since time immemorial. And yet there's been this overarching sense of more philosophy philosophical and theoretical, and now people are seeing the proof of the things that have been talked about or taken a stab at for years. So we've got to move this from the theoretical and philosophical into, heck, this is happening. Y'all know what I'm talking about. People are having these experiences and they want more of it. 
and they want to understand it to be able to traverse it more. Now bring in the illusory nature of time. Let's just add to the, the maelstrom of stuff going on. If you're enjoying this episode, along with all of the subjects that we cover here on Higher Journeys, then I invite you to join our members-only community on Patreon, where we go even deeper into the conversations with the guests that you know and love. Not only does your membership ensure that we can keep this work going and growing, but you'll also get immediate access to our exclusive after shows. Get up close and personal with the guests of the show, along with many other member perks. So click on the link below to join now or visit higherjourneys.com where you'll find the Patreon link. We'll see you on the journey. Thanks. And, you know, but you're right. Uh, What's in it for me? You know, just becoming more aware is a lot in it for you because now the cork's out of the bottle. It, it, once you're awake, um, you're on a journey, and and it's a self-learning, evolving process. Um, oh, so if you look at science, it, it's true. Science is coming around to it because this science is looking at time now. And although Einstein, you know, may may disagree because he's a Newtonian physics guy. Um, Physicists are telling us that that everything that has ever existed, does exist, will exist, you know, exists. It exists simultaneously. As crazy as that sounds, it should. Why? It's inconsistent with our 3D understanding of this reality. So what are you talking about? It sounds woo-woo. Well, it should. I I wasn't taught that in school. Were you? Past, present, or future? Well, we see evidence of just of just that. Uh, can you access the future? In other words, uh, if it exists now, maybe you can. Maybe synchronicities reflect that kind of time illusion, time distortion, whatever you want to call it. And how can I benefit from a synchronicity? Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about precognition, obviously. I mean, if you wanted to put a label around it, can yes. we access the future? We want to get into that too. But yeah, that's a big, the, I say the answer is we have. There's no question about it. But are we shaping it or accessing it? That's the other conundrum. Are we shaping the future by simply, even though it seems to, we get glimpses of something that may happen tomorrow, whatever that may be, small and large events. Uh, great question. You're right. That's the functional element of it. Um, because if, if we can utilize this for advantage, yes, maybe we ha- can exert a control and then our reality becomes almost locked. Uh, like have positive intentions, have good karma. You're going to get it back. It's it's related, related in some way, isn't it? It's time. No when question. Talk- well, we're yeah. talking about a sort of out there cause and effect model. Have you looked into, Bob, the idea if time is in fact malleable at a minimum and an illusion at at its deepest, changing the past? I know it's been talked about. I know Lynn McTaggart has brought it up in some of her conversations years ago or or material can we i've struggled with this but something that has supposedly already played out can you change let's say even the effects of it yeah well daryl daryl ben did those exercises pre-sentiment uh uh, yeah pre-sentiment and and it's been shown experimentally by by dean radin um experimental psychologist at uh, cornell and he Instead of cause effect, he showed that effect cause works. In other words, the future exists before the past. Um, 
it's, uh, that's synchronicity in a sense. Uh, he, he had his students repeatedly, and it's been duplicated by other experimenters, take an exam of, uh, uh, regarding words that were later to be memorized. You see, normally you memorize words and then take the exam. He did the opposite. And he found that those that did very well on the exam, the memory exam, did much better for memorizing those words afterwards. It gets fuzzy. I love it. It gets oh fuzzy. Oh my gosh. But that's the idea. And it's been shown in other ways. Physiologically, Dean Radin, for instance, he, he showed a group of pictures. This has been documented and replicated, significantly statistical. He presented random visual pictures to, I forget how many subjects, a good sample size, mainly neutral. Every now and then, he presented an erotics. You, you must know this experiment. I'm familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, some of your audience may not. Um, occasionally, he would present an erotic, arousing stimulus, visual stimulus, and occasionally just the opposite, a hor horrific mm -hmm. scene of some type. At the same time, the physiological parameters are being me uh, measured with electrodes, EEG activity, uh, galvanic skin response, uh, blood volume, heart rate, etc., blood pressure. What was interesting is that you would expect all those physiologic parameters to elevate over time consistently at those moments of those extreme erotic or pleasing and uh, negative, horrific pictures. What happened, he found, was that two to four seconds before those pictures occurred, the body reacted. Two to four seconds before, pre-sentiment, you knew before it occurred. Mm -hmm. You knew before it occurred. You know that. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting. Do we know unconsciously, therefore, what the future is going to present to us? You see? What, you see that? What the future is going to be unconsciously, the body's responding. It's like when you get that gut feeling, when you get the feeling of nerves, something is going to happen. You understand? That's yes. a good thing. That gut feeling, go with it. It could be a good indication, like in the rating experiment, like in the BEM experiment, that you do know you're having a glimpse of the future. That's why your body's reacting that way. It's, it's, go. Uh, we all have that regret. We all have it. with the gut feeling. Next, we learn the hard way with life, and we and we gain wisdom by it the hard way. Right. Uh, life is uh, incredibly difficult for all concerned, and 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 now we're trying to figure out how best to make sense and use of a, a mass chaotic situation that, mm -hmm. where the future is nebulous and scary uh and everybody's generally pessimistic and also suffering from ptsd as a result of this you know ptsd can also elicit peak experiences oh no question about it oh yeah. mystical whatever we want to call it you know it's in it's in the bible it's in folklore uh all of that this is nothing new but in the past they discussed it written about it from cave walls to to various texts that that were representative of course at the times using technology or science at the times and which makes it all more difficult to understand but much of those discussions are are in fact about their mystical peak experiences mm -hmm. uh that we should learn from and here's where we need to integrate science uh, uh, spirituality right. and some aspects of religion uh, it's hard to know the sense, of course, from the nonsense as consumers in all aspects, right. let alone something like this. Most importantly, 
at this juncture, the experiential to me will remain the most powerful. I want to take this time to look right in the camera and say, journeyers, I want to know from you what you're thinking about this conversation so far, but are you having accelerated peak experiences? That's what Bob calls it, or even PEs, as he refers to it in his book. Are you going through that right now? I know a lot of you are, but I want you to leave me some comments below about if you are, the duration where you've seen this acceleration, and do you relate to the sort of hypothesis that Bob is putting forward? I think there's a lot in there, and it's so exciting, Bob. It's so exciting. The, the magic exists within the madness, the crystal within the crisis, and the diamond within the dust. Yeah, beautiful. I've been saying it for years, and it ain't can't be any more accurate than right now. Mm -hmm. These little nuggets and gems we're discovering through tumult of which we're going through right now, me included. So let's fold in at this point. Hmm. Should we go there? About 20 minutes in. Yes, let's go there. Let's talk about the ET contact phenomenon. All wait a minute, let's back up. I don't want to go there yet. I want to put this in first and then we're going to go there because that's going to be the, to me, the juiciest part because we're going to fold that element in. We've brought up synchronicity. We brought up precognition. What we haven't brought into this conversation, although I think they're all related, is telepathy. Can I tell you a quick story? Journeyers, can I tell you a quick story about what I initially thought of as a synchronicity and then questioned what is it or is it all the above? Here's the deal. Longtime friend hadn't seen for decades since childhood, frankly. Somehow, I don't know how she popped into my mind. This happened about five, six years ago. She pops into my mind out of nowhere and and stayed there for a while. In my thoughts, I wonder what she's doing. And we'll call her Lisa, not her real name. I wonder what Lisa's doing. I wonder what she's up to. I wonder if she's around here. I haven't seen her since I was like six years old. Seven. Two days later, I'm in a local store that I go to weekly. And there she is. Okay. Classic synchronicity, right? A big one. And mm -hmm. one that I never cease to be amazed about. Yeah. However, here's the question that I asked myself after I pondered, whenever these things happen, I go into deep contemplation mode. Was that a synchronicity as we understand it to be? Did I perhaps conjure her yeah. through the act of telepathy? Or not conjure her, but was there a sort of telepathy that brought us together at that moment in time? Or was I being given a message, this sort of arbitrary or spontaneous thought of her? Was it actually a precognition? In other words, a message about the future? Or are they one and the same? It, no, I, uh, yeah, they could be two different things. Exactly. Uh, you, you can't. I would. I would say each is legitimate. Uh, you know, there's a fine line between intuition and then uh, of which what which makes it uh, it makes it possible to know something without any proof, uh, and a synchronicity that something is totally unexpected and it's time to wake us up to the connection to reality. That's the external, and synchronicity synchronicity is there for a purpose. The fact that we we say, "Aha! Oh, that's a big coincidence." We don't have coincidences, but when there's timing and meaning simultaneously, of course, as Freud uh, mentioned uh, when he initiated the concept, um, that distinguishes intuition and synchronicity. But you could certainly have induced a very strong intention that could have 
connected with her for some reason. And we see evidence of this in the laboratory. And certainly on a, on a personal level, we have these experiences, uh, but we get that corroboration. So we see confirmation of both of those ideas. You can't, I would not dismiss either one. If anything, maybe decipher, discriminate, distinguish between each synchronicity and keen intuition uh, and a normal coincidence, which of course happens. But <laughs> there's one is one synchronicity, you know, that comes to mind. You, you, you know this one. This is a classic one. It's been well validated. And I'll make it quick. One 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 uh, student who was going for their PhD wanted to contact a, a famous author named Jared Diamond. He thought about contacting him, emailing him to, to discuss some theory about his his research for the, for the dissertation. Uh, he thought better of it and didn't do it. Uh, he decided instead to take a trip remote island in, in the Indonesia somewhere. You got to take a boat and, you know, two hours to get to an, oh, that kind of thing. He, he writes his name in the, in the, in the log book, name above it, Jared Diamond. He turns around, there he is sitting at the, at, at the table. Things like that happen. As I, 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 know, I know you're one out of 20 million to hit the lottery. Things like that happen too. But they, they vary like that. Did he cause that to happen? Uh, or is that that's obviously beyond the beyond the coincidence. No, that's an aha. We all have those ahas, but dismiss it. Don't learn from it. We need to reflect on it because oftentimes there is meaning associated with, with the coincidences. Look for those meanings associated with all coincidences. You'd be surprised how there is meaning. And I think that's an important takeaway here. Mm -hmm. When we become more aware, we're having more synchronicities, be aware of that. When, when you're aware that a synchrony exists, you see it more frequently. And when you see it more frequently, you get these messages increase, messages about the future, about yourself, meaning that, that wakes you up. And that core comes even more out of the bottle. You're lit, you're on a journey, um, and in the long run, it's very beneficial. We're here to become more aware. I, I, I think we're built that way. The brain, however, impedes that. Mm -hmm. So let's work against it. I've always said that just the act of acknowledging, really taking the time to acknowledge when you're calling it a coincidence, we'll call it synchronicity. Uh, one of those grand experiences happens. The act of taking notice of it, I even say speak out loud and say, I see you, thank you, can actually perhaps instigate more of them happening. I have had periods of time where I, I call them synchronicity clusters. Well, literally, there may be two or three in a day or maybe over the course of two or three days, just profound just a, and not necessarily related. So my question for you, Bob, is can we perhaps self-initiate synchronicity? You do. Yes. Oh, talk, talk about that. Postulated. Okay. You're, you're exactly right. I'm not surprised you said that, uh, knowing you. Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, postulate it, ask for it, uh, purposely look for it. You know, and more often than not, and getting into that habit of being aware of those synchronicities, you'd be you'd be surprised they exist in all different ways. They're subtle. They're they're often symbolic, but they're there. And and here again, it's not dissociation to do that. That's spiritual. That's looking at reality in a little different way where you can benefit from it. I know you can. Um, many of many you, uh, obviously, and if, I bet you took a, a poll of your audience. You, <laughs> I wonder what percent has, has bona fide synchronicities. They know what I'm talking about. Those that may not, um, 
become even even those of us who do let's try to develop that skill you know we're probably not very good at it but certainly better i think than the average individual who i don't think has that cork out of the bottle but synchronicities help but you have to look at it look for them um what uh well, you know what, what what's an what's an example of a a, a, a synchronicity we, we 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 all have them and and it comes in many different ways and, and shapes but uh somebody will bet on on, a, on the fifth horse because it's running in the fifth uh, you know stall with a at five o'clock uh you know on, it's going to be on the five o'clock news on channel five uh, and all that and he bets on the horse but what it comes in fifth that that sort of thing you got to be careful with sometimes these meanings and in, in, in life and you'd be very uh discriminating um the, these these signs are subtle even smells and, and and postulates ask for it you know you know it sounds like like you're praying almost and this again language praying yeah has a religious connotation uh mental intention call it whatever you want Mental intention is something that we're finding in the laboratory to be remarkably powerful, more so than we thought. It is subtle, but it's real. That's con part of consciousness. We can make use of that, fighting against maybe our brain's ability to impede that other sense that we're just learning about experimentally, anecdotally, theoretically, bombs work, and many others, um, and quantum physics, too. Uh, mm -hmm. well, uh, which is helping to explain much of these anomalies like synchronicity right. and time illusions. Right, right. Can I bring something up? I was muted, Please. so I was my mouth was going, but y'all couldn't hear me. You know how you were just telling the story about the, the guy that bets uh, all of the fives were showing up? You tell that, that story. By the way, I'm going to show, we'll put a, a screenshot on the screen. I was reading that example in your book and you made a reference, and do you know what the footnote number was for well, the reference you made in the story? Well, you probably don't even well, realize it. No. 50, 55. No kidding. I, no, 55, serious. 55. Yeah. I'm going to see well, if I can get a copy of this. So, no, seriously, take that in, folks. You were basically speaking. Let me just make this point. You yeah. were basically speaking from a from a. You were telling a story and and sh showing evidence, but you yourself were having the experience as you were telling the story. Isn't that funny? The yeah, that's, that's... was fifty five, and I circled it and I said, "I wonder if Bob realized that." No, 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 no. Did I put it there as a joke? That that uh, the question is: Is that a coincidence? Yeah, it could be, but. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? It could isn't have been interesting? given the number of references in the, in that chapter, which were extensive. <laughs> That's powerful. Let's go ahead and bring in the ET element, the ET contact element. I say that loosely. We, I think you and I prefer to call it non-human intelligence or NHI. Okay, so here's the other thing, and I'm going to ask the journeyers once again. I, this is a really interactive, I want this to be interactive. Leave me a comment below. Are you an experiencer? And since you've discovered, if you are, that you are, have instances of these um, phenomena, synchronicity, telepathy, other such things gone up exponentially since you became aware of your contact encounters. I'm posing it to you, the journeyers, but I want to pose it to Bob as well. Do, do Does contact encounters, and I say this sort of loosely, give us license to have, do, will we have more of a propensity to have these sorts of experiences after contact. 
it's, it's it's a form of the peak experience, a mystical experience. There is there is for for many a spiritual consciousness related, non physical, what you will, uh, interaction with what they consider to be an intelligence of some type. Uh, what the objective is, what what the quality of the interaction is, you, you know that, that that's a, that's unique to the individual. But they come in all varying again types, from mostly positive, but there are negative as well. Just the the event alone, we come to the realization that that this is another aspect of reality when these individuals are interacting with these non-human entities, intelligences of varying types, from deceased beings to religious uh, supreme beings, as I should say, to, to greys, reptilians, the whole gamut as we, as we consistently hear, uh, you know, what's going on. Is it a gin? Is it a trickster? As Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our, our dear f- friend um, who, who passed away about two years ago, we miss her terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Rosemary, you're listening. We're with you, kid. And yeah, uh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for helping us out as much as you can then and now. Uh, so, uh, what what truly are we ex- interacting with? We don't know. When we talk about extraterrestrial, you know what I've been thinking of late is that we're dealing with another intelligence. I could certainly be wrong, could certainly be right, or something in between. But today's two cents worth, as far as what your question is directed at, um, we're dealing, and it's not necessarily unique, but I'm ascribing to it. I should say we're dealing with a con- with a form of intelligence that's always been here with the new kids on the block uh, we're interact they're interacting purposely with us interacting with us using us maybe uh controlling us as some people may think like the uh, valet and heinick uh, ufologists of the past um and now uh valet that is but uh there's more than just nuts and bolts to this that's important let's pursue that indeed but let's focus on the consciousness component which there is no doubt in fact the report just came out now a uh, george knapp and um kelleher just came out with the book skinwalker at the pentagon i believe it's called they talk about um, the paranormal related activity that people experience when they interact with orbs or beings um, from Bigfoot to a- a- anything. Uh, and people took the, uh, the negative uh, entities home with them with that, where they had paranormal experiences at home after being at Skinwalker. Uh, those kinds of things, those attachments that, you know, the, uh, what do they call the hitchhiker kind of syndrome um, come along for the ride. Uh, what what's that all about? You know, it becomes so complex. So when we talk about ETs, what are we talking about here? Um, there could be many different types uh, of entities, but there can also certainly be one that coexists with humanity and, and maybe speaks to our spiritual side. Maybe maybe you know some people. Even, I know a leading uh, <laughs> neuroscientist that, that regards those lights, uh, light phenomena, as as um, us. You know, or neurons of God's brain, or 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 just uh, life exists underwater, and why not upstairs? It may be plasma based. Maybe it's a form of intelligence. In, in fact, Baum did studies on plasma, and he considered it to be an inorganic life form. Believe it or not, um, and it did things that UAPs do: split, divides, rotates, changes color, makes zigzags. All the things that we describe and see in CE fives. Uh, and uh, Mike uh, Merberg up in Darby Ranch, uh, just north of uh, Tampa, is a beautiful scene with beautiful people. 
doing CE5. So I'm going to be up there on November 6th. Oh, right? fantastic. Around 4.30 with Dave Beatty. You know, we're doing that documentary. We're going to talk about that. And, yeah. And we're going to try to film that. But, but people all meditate. They try to provide that <laughs> the right beautiful environment, uh, positive karma, focused attention, collectively. Uh, and they've had much success. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful scene. And it's becoming more popular. Why? Because people are waking up. People are wanting to have, I can't tell you, Bob, how many people have come to me recently and said, Alexis, and they'll put it in sort of this crude way. I want to be abducted. I want to be it. And I, I don't think that's exactly what they're saying, but they're so, they're finding themselves more than just passively uh, interested in the subject. Now they feel almost vested in it. Where do you think that's coming from? People that were not ex uh, interested in this before. Um, hmm, good question. M media, you know, you know, um, you think it's uh, coming from the media. We obviously there's been a little bit more talk about it. Social later. networking, people focusing on that, the, you know, getting more exposure, those spiritually oriented, uh, you know, they, they, they're getting more information, different groups, uh, getting more, uh, involved in some ways with it. Uh, um, alone, like, talking but, about it. Let me stop you. Is there perhaps in some cases an inner prompt? I mean, let's go back to people having been isolated for so long and going inward and sort of having these interests that they hadn't had before. Couldn't you count this as one of them? You know, there's a study that says more people have been seeing UFOs looking, you know, and it's alleged from the mainstream that it's because they have more time on their hands to look up. Or is that inner prompt saying now it's time to pay attention? Wouldn't you put that in there? Uh, you don't know. But you see, it, I, I like that. That's that's a typical Alexis Brooke kind of question. It, you you got both of those possibilities. And it's a good that it's more than one because you can get it get at it in both ways. Um, when you become more awake, as we discussed, and possibly during this unfortunate but prolong and prolonged period of isolation, um, but there could be benefits, as we discussed. Be thus, people who do become more awake um, read more about the possibilities of light phenomena, communicating their thoughts and intentions, creating their own reality, interacting with another possible intelligence and then they start looking for it and many are getting positive feedback they feel that connection they have that 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 feelings of unconditional love uh, as they express when they interact with this kind of phenomenon not all but they're in awe they can't change after they're seeing something so unexplicable something that makes them question reality and that alone questioning reality spirit that spirituality truth sinking just that attempt, that cognitive effort, focusing on that rather than you know a, a computer game uh, <laughs> or some you know mindless TV show. There's much good there, of course, but but there's too much uh, non-stimulating, non-spiritual for me. And if it does people, other people good, beautiful. I'm not condemning that. Likewise, they shouldn't do the same to those who focus their attention on just this, trying to enhance their their spirituality during this this most chaotic times. But it's almost like instinctual it's remarkable how how resilient people are look at the people in the holocaust what they had to endure you can't compare of course but but pain and trauma is nevertheless still upon us and in, in a different way mm -hmm. uh, still much better than something like that but when we need strength it's remarkable how you, your mind can almost innately 
out of survival purposes, become more spiritual because that's a form of survival, I think. You start looking inward for answers. And okay. that process of looking inward does reveal those answers to you, whether you're going taking it from the, your future self, the memory of your future self, as some people will think, pre-sentiment, you know, the past, present, and future simultaneously, actually accessing the memory from your future, or it's just keen insight, uh, just focusing inward, looking, exploring, uh, resting your mind, meditating, whatever it does that can't pray to God, whatever it is, uh, don't, whatever it is uh, unique to you, it's finding that. That's the difficulty. That's I, unique to you. I agree yeah, with you. Yeah. No template. I, you know, that, that that's resident helpful. bond, that resident bond. Yeah. That yeah. resonant bond. Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, I'm trying to think if I want to go a little deeper with the ET contact thing. I mean, we're, we're always talking about this journey. By the way, you definitely want to go and watch. We're doing a, a series, Bob, called Experiencers Speak. And we've got some great shows. We'll maybe put some an, an end screen or two so you can check them out. We need to hear all of these stories. And that's why I so encourage folks to go and listen to other uh, shows that we've done on aspects of the things that we're, we're kind of putting a whole bundle together here but uh, it's about connecting dots and mm -hmm. most importantly it's about realizing whatever y'all are experiencing y'all aren't alone you're not alone we're not alone but you're not alone either that's right um let's touch let's let's maybe end this part of the conversation on because i want you to talk about the great film that you're working on that's going to be coming up but before we do the th this idea of I'm not even just going to call it a illusory nature of time. I'm going to call it time warps, missing time as it relates to ET contact phenomenon, but also people experiencing what I would call elongated time or extremely shortened time. I've had the experience and I'm trying to recall, I'm not going to go into the story, but it was, I believe it was an instance where I had left the kitchen and looked at the clock. I know I sat here for a chunk of time, but when I went back to the kitchen, it's, it's almost if a minute went by. Mm -hmm. I knew something was off there. Is that a glitch in the matrix? You know, what is that all about? And have you looked into that? Have you, do you talk about that in your book? I, I don't, I don't go into much about that, but you, but it's true. Um, many people report that what that is. I'm not entirely sure that could be brain based in part. You can't, you could explain that away, just allocation of attention and, and hmm. your, your unconscious state. And you know what it's like, Alexis is how many times have you been driving and then you say to yourself, gee, I, I forgot I've been driving. It's like your unconscious. Yeah. There's a good example of your unconscious mind taking over. You're doing it almost. It's like two of you. <laughs> the daemon, you know, they really are in fact two of you, and you have we have to learn better how to access the unconscious, right. like, like still functioning well while you could could do something else at the same time, but in but with a different allocation, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it's like anyway, um, or, or are we here's some here's something that you just made me think of this. This just happened the other day where I was clearly my mind was somewhere else. I remember stepping on the first step. And the next thing you know, I was at the top of the stairs. I do not remember ascending the stairs at all. But it made me think, did I go somewhere else for that period of time? Did I traverse a timeline? I'm not saying that's what happened. But these are the questions that come up when these little... 
Otherwise, small incidents happen. Well, it's it's true because here again, it's our understanding of what we consider reality to be. That's what it comes down to, Alexis. In 2021 in the United States, where I live and probably where you live, reality is defined in a very strict, concrete way defined by who, you know? Uh, and then, then here we come along. We talk about alterations of time. We talk about the, the 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 paranormal, which in the future will be normal. We talk about UAPs, uh, and people think you're not sane when just the opposite is the case. Um, it's it's unfortunate that we live in times that suppress these beliefs and suppress one's ability to become more awake because of the stigma attached to it. We're all aware of that. And, and too many of us fall under that trap. I did for many years coming in academia. Um, and maybe you did too with your professional background. You just didn't talk about it. And you say, I still don't. So I'm willing to now. I did. I don't count me. You. I came from an alternative family, but that's another story for another time. Yes, I agree with you, though. I do. Yeah, and you know, I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there as you say the reasons why these subjects are still stigmatized. I think they've relented a little bit, but not enough. And I'm just going to be controversial and say it, Bob. Listen, they don't want us to know how powerful we are, because absent of that power, control remains intact. Yeah, I'm you know, go there. yeah, you can, you can, you can make a case. Um, you know, I'm not a, <laughs> We're I'm not not a politician, I'm, but um, <laughs> you can make a case. Look, look who calls the shots. Look at the people. You know, many good people, but many questionable people. Come on, look who calls the shots and has. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable uh, how we're. It's it, you can't really talk about it because what we do need is greatest spiritual minded people in, in higher power, people who are awake. And we see some of them there. It's how many too few? Uh, we see some in foreign countries who do say things that show us that they're a little bit more awake, more spiritually aware, get it, more humane, had a peak experience. And maybe eventually over time, enough of people will have these kinds of peak, peak experiences, become more awake and start acting more for the benefit of the society than Absolutely. just for the individual and dumbing them down, controlling what they think to consume. And every time you turn on the news, the media's involved too here and you are so to be commended and, and other people really like you for the intent to, to bring, to raise awareness, I applaud you, your light worker. Uh, it's well, I'm not alone. Beautiful. Of course, I, you're not alone, I'm but there's alone. Too way too few of you to yeah. make the effort to raise consciousness. What are you doing? Here's a functional example. More people are listening to you because they're home mm -hmm. and, and, and content in media like this for, for that makes sense. Not the nonsense out there and get, gives the wrong message associated with that. With this, you present the more realistic, objective approach, uh, scientific and anecdotal. Um, so, yeah, I'm in great company. I appreciate that. But I, you know, I'll have to, I'll end on this note and then I'm going to have you talk about the film. I remember years ago, long before I got into this, this shtick, I mean, I've been in journalism for most of my professional life uh, many years ago, but not in this aspect. And I remember, I don't know, 15 or so years ago where I was just hankering for this kind of information and couldn't really find it. Not in this format, of course. And uh, now, uh, because not only am I the broadcaster, I'm the consumer, right? We all are. So I just want to give a shout out to all of the amazing, there's some crap out there too, 
everything, you know, you're going to get a little bit of everything, but there's some amazing thought leaders and, and broadcasters like myself that are doing great stuff. That oh, without question, without a doubt, and applaud all of them. Shout out to y'all. So anyway, on that note, let's wind down. You know where we're going. We're going to the, let me plug the after show. Y'all come on over to the after show if you enjoyed this talk, because we're going to be talking about more about peak experiences. I really want to get into a conversation with you. When I say peak experiences, we're talking about spiritual and transformative experiences. Some call them Kundalini awakening, ET contact encounters. They're all what we consider transformative or peak experiences. We're going to go and talk about that more. In fact, there was an angle I wanted to put on this. I'm calling it hallmarks of a spiritual awakening. What are the common threads? Everyone's experience is slightly different, but there are some hallmarks, some markers. So we're going to go over to Patreon. We're going to talk about that. Bob, the neuroscientist that he is, also happens to be an experiencer. He's going to talk about uh, his own encounters and how it changed him. So that's Patreon After Show. Go on over the links below. Now, without further ado, if you want more where this came from, you're going to get it because Bob is working on a great project in the form of a film. Tell us about it, Bob. <laughs> uh, it's my pleasure. I, I have uh, the honor and the opportunity to co-produce a documentary called The Consciousness Connection. Uh, we just out of the gates. That's uh, David Beatty of Dreamtime Entertainment, well known for his uh, many documentaries, and one in particular, uh, the the Nimitz Encounters, which already has uh, six million plus views on Netflix. So uh, they're an outstanding professional team I'm working with. And we're going to have wonderful uh, participants uh, already committed, like Eben Alexander, the, the, the remarkable author and neurosurgeon who talked about his NDE and his bestseller called The Proof of Heaven, and Jeff Long from the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, and Dr. Diane Hennessy powell neuropsych neuropsychiatrist, um, does remarkable work on brain research, autistic savants, and provides incredible support through her psychiatric practice with, with people who have spiritual emergencies, among many other kinds of uh, psychological disorders like PTSD, and, and people who come from experiences that from this uh, trauma that we just had. But nevertheless, um, we need tremendous support, of course, uh, for people who, who believe in the cause, have deep pockets, and um, um, support us. It's the name of the business, of course. And and if you can, conceptualize, resonate with it. We, we won't turn down your, your kindness. But nevertheless, we have a long, long list of many people from many different fields that represent UAPs, experiences, scientists, etc., um, but we uh, are initiating the project and uh, trying to uh, also work with organizations and sponsors. We have Dean Radin, in fact, and we talked Excellent. a little bit about his, uh, his experiences, uh, his experiments from IONS. Uh, it is tremendous. We have you, in fact, and we're looking forward to doing to interviewing you and, and, and you talk about your uh, book, uh, Consciousness Musings, uh, and the wonderful work that you do, uh, because that's part of, the, of consciousness connection. Uh, it, it relates to the society of consciousness. What is being done now to elevate consciousness of society? Different organizations do it. Too few, too fragmented, but they're scattered around. Unfortunately, um, not many are, are trying to elevate awareness. Uh, right. Well, this will help for sure. Let me ask you, is there anywhere people can go right now to support? Whether they have deep pockets or not, maybe it's just a bunch of small donations. Are you doing like a Kickstarter sure. or a GoFundMe type yeah. of thing? 
Yeah, go find me. Uh, go to, thanks for reminding me, go to consciousnessfilm.info, consciousnessfilm.info. Uh, it talks about the, the, the film uh, and the participants, and there's a trailer, in fact, um, and which will develop as we have more interviews. But there's a GoFundMe, too, right above the trailer. Okay. So thank you for everybody for your consideration. Very Let's, kind of uh, you. Bob does great work, man. He's, he's on the cutting edge. And what I love so much about you is this brilliant blend of the academic with the um, anecdotal, the uh, experimental with the experiential, the esoteric with the exoteric. Yeah. You have equilibrium. And I, we need that. We, you know, we hear the word woo-woo and we don't want to be wooed out all the time. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of woo-woo here and there. We got to bring it back for as long as the left and right hemispheres of the brain are still functioning. It's time to bring them together. You do that well, Bob Davis. So thank you. Thank Thank you. And what about your website? Do you have, you have a website? Yeah, website is bobdavisspeaks.com. Bobdavisspeaks.com. We access through the web uh, site for the film. Uh, uh, And I talk about my books there and some of the work I've done. Thank you. Thank Unseen you. Forces, the Integration of Science, Reality, and You, Robert Davis, PhD. I always get this wrong. There we go. We got it in the center, but I'll put up yeah. a screenshot. This is an awesome book. I get a lot of books from a lot of publishers. Shh, I don't read them all. This is a good book, though. Go get it. Love the link. All right. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Bob Davis. Don't hang up because we're going next door to the after show. We're going to talk about peak experiences. We're going to talk about yours. And we're going to talk about yours. All right, Bob Davis. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And journeyers, you know how I feel about you. I love you. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care. <laughs>